0: Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and I'm the lead pastor. I'm so glad that you are here to worship with us as we continue in our series uh, that we've entitled Think Global. And for some reason, I feel like God is just telling me right now that we just need to continue in a spirit of prayer. And um, so I'm going to ask you to join with me as we just continue worshiping him and continuing to pray and ask him to lead us this morning. Father God, thank you. For who you are, all the songs that we just sang, God, all the words that we just attributed to you, God, we don't say those words without meaning, we don't say them without intent. Um, God, they are true, and I pray that they are authentic, that they come from deep within. God, we do give you all the honor and the glory for what you are doing, God, for what you have done, for who you are. And Father, we just want to pause this morning. We just want to take a moment and continue to be quiet and still before you. So we do that right now, just over this next moment. If you would just allow yourself to get quiet and still before God so that you might be able to hear from him this morning. God, as we focus on what you're doing, not just here in our community, but God, over these next few weeks and beginning last week, we've begun to focus on what you are doing around the world. God, I thank you that um, you started this job. You started this um, role of redeeming mankind, not just at the cross, but you began it at creation. God, all the way from the beginning of time, your purpose was to restore us, to forgive us of our sins, and to give us everlasting life, and God, we're grateful, and we're thankful for that, and God, now, as um, we look into your word, as we look to the first kind of part of the book of Acts, I pray that each one of us would um, allow ourselves to hear from you. God, I pray that you would help us in our fears and in our worry, in the things that come so quickly to our minds that we're concerned about. God, I pray over these next moments that you would allow us to hear from you on what part we can play in that role of redeeming mankind. God, be with us over these next few moments together. And I pray that you're honored and that you're glorified. May you pierce our hearts. May you search us inside. And may you change us as a result of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're in week two of this series called Think Global, and last week we introduced you one of our global partners. We had no hungry children here. Uh, They are a a group out of Atlanta, the Atlanta, Georgia area. Some long-term friends of mine and Cynthia's, uh, Brandon and Kim Smith, who began a, a feeding program in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya? And I want to encourage you. If you uh, weren't here last week, uh, I want to encourage you to go and listen to that message because it was it was more than just um, a uh, advertisement for one of our missions partners. Uh, I believe that God had His hand on last week. And I hope and I pray that he used it to um, start something in, your, uh, in you in terms of being praying for and being involved with uh, what is happening in Africa, in Kenya, Africa. Now I got to tell you this, this is really neat. Um, th- the day after they left, they reported that um, they sell these t-shirts. You've probably seen them, No Hungry Children t-shirts. Um, they reported that last Sunday here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, they brought in more money for t-shirt sales than in any other church in any other time. So um, Hilton Head Island Community Church, way to go. That is good news. Because for them, it's not just about shirts. It might've been for you, I don't know, but that's okay. Because for them, um, that is about money that goes directly towards their feeding program. And so I just wanna thank you so much um, for being contributors and supporters. Uh, You'll be hearing from more of our partners over the next few weeks as we have row kids, In a local group uh, next week and then in two weeks uh, you will be hearing from navigators uh, in Atlanta uh, Georgia our uh, friends in uh, in Atlanta Georgia State when I was um, when I was in second grade um, I I had a problem and uh, my parents took me to the doctor to fix this problem and the problem was is that when I was in school um, I couldn't read the chalkboard they weren't whiteboards back when I was in school, they were chalkboards. So um, so I couldn't read the, the uh, chalkboard and my teachers began to notice this and so they called my parents in and um, they said, you know, we, we're pretty sure he doesn't have any learning disabilities. Um, I, I kind of wish they had figured out that maybe that was the case, but that's all right. That's a whole nother story. But they said, we really have noticed that Todd is having trouble seeing the chalkboard. And so my parents took me in and I got glasses and I got to tell you in second grade in 1980 something, um, If you could find ugly glasses, my parents got me some ugly glasses and um so they took me back when i was in seventh grade because they felt bad because the glasses were like real small and my head began to grow and that kind of thing and they were getting uglier and uglier and in seventh grade i got a new pair of glasses and they were even worse than the first pair they were ugly and so um then we went back a few years later and finally got some glasses that looked right and then this whole thing came out contacts and that was awesome for a kid in middle school who had these big big thick coke bottle glasses um, and so through the years, you, if you, some of you wear glasses, some of you don't, but if you do, um, you change it out from time to time to uh, try to get that right, uh, get that right uh, look, you know, not just fashion-wise, but also so you can be able to see. And, and I don't know about you, but um, throughout the years, your eyesight changes. Um, mine is drastically changing over 40 years old now. It's crazy how quickly it's changing. But um, a few years ago, I had small glasses. You remember Remember, small glasses were in? And, and I remember driving one day, and I'm like, I cannot see from side to side, and this is not a good thing, because my glasses were so small. So I went to the doctor, and I got larger glasses, and these are my glasses now. They're pretty big, and you know, they're pretty nerdy, and I'm fine with that. That's cool. But um, I, it gave me a different perspective. It gave me a, a different perspective, and, and I remember that time when I was in second grade. Um, h- how many of you wear glasses or contacts? So raise your hand this morning. Do you remember that first time that you put glasses or contacts on? Wasn't that a great moment? I mean, it was like, wow, that's what the world looks like. I had no clue. And I remember getting these things that looked so nerdy and big on my face, and I was like, wow, I can see from side to side now. I'm not going to side sw- someone on 278 now as I'm driving down the road. And so my perspective began to change as I got glasses, and I know some of you have experienced that change in perspective. My prayer for our church from last week and on to these next three or four weeks that we have ahead of us is that perhaps our perspective will change that our thinking will change, that we won't be so focused on what is going on in our own lives, but that we would have a wider lens perspective, that we wouldn't be so myopic in the way that we view life, that we would take a step back and look at what God is doing, not just across human history, but around the world today in this day and age. And so over the course of these next two weeks, what we're gonna be doing actually this week and in two weeks, we're gonna be taking a survey of part of the book of Acts. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna ask you to turn to Acts chapter two. And Cynthia mentioned you can get on our uh, new app, uh, whether you're an iPhone user or an Android user or whatever, you can get on our app or you can get on our website. You can go to UVersion and you can check out Acts. And we're gonna be in chapter eight today. And we're gonna take a look today at kind of the second phase of what happened in the early days of the church. And and I I know that I've mentioned this before. I love history, um, but I particularly love Bible history, not just because of the history, not just because of the information. Because when you read the book of Acts, which is like God's history book for the New Testament, God's history book for um, the current church that we, by the way, are tied back to, You can see God's hand moving in a remarkable way. And so over these two weeks that I'm going to be teaching Think Global, we're going to be taking a survey. First is going to be from Acts 8 through 12. We're going to take a survey. It's like looking over land and kind of getting a a big picture of, of what God was doing. And then we're going to be taking a look at Acts 12 through 18 in a few weeks, and we're going to be taking a look at what God was doing there. And my prayer and my hope is, is that your lens would just swing out really wide and that you would able to get that, be able to get that big perspective of what God is doing in the course of human history, not just with you on Hilton Head Island, not just with you in wherever you're from, but over the course of human history. Because here's what I know. God may be doing something great in your life. And that's awesome. But God is doing something incredibly great throughout the course of human history. And that is as he is calling, he is redeeming, he is asking, and he is moving so that people will come to know him. So that they will receive forgiveness of their sins and so they can live eternal life with God in heaven when they die. That's the role of God that's the good news we're gonna be taking a look at that and we read it when Cynthia read 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 I love that passage because it dovetails so well into what we're talking about today so if you have your Bibles you can turn to Acts chapter 8 and we're gonna begin taking a look at what happened there in the first church now let me just tell you what we're gonna be looking at over uh, today and in two weeks we're gonna be looking at um, the, the the fact that the message of the gospel here's what I want you to hear this morning if you don't get anything else this is what I want you to hear when we truly get to a place where we have a global perspective of what God is doing, it's like a pebble dropping in a water. I, I know you've done this before where you've been out maybe on a you know a, a nice calm lake. Or here we don't call them lakes. What do we call them? Lagoons. We call things. Everything opposite, we call it in Hilton Head, don't we? So if, you know, it's not a pond, it's a lagoon. So if you've been on one of those lagoons or a lake or maybe even the ocean when it was really calm and you drop a pebble or a rock or something in and you begin to see the ripples happen, don't you? You begin to see that ripple occurring. First, there's a small ring, then it's larger, and then it's larger, and then it's larger. And then it might even go to the edge of the pond or lagoon. And what happens when it hits the edge sometimes? It comes back, doesn't it? That's what you're going to see happened in the first part of the book of Acts. Actually, in the second part of the book of Acts from chapters 8 through 12, you're going to see the fact that God was doing something amazing and all of a sudden the ripple effect began to occur in the book of Acts. Acts 8 through 12 is the account of the first church being persecuted, being displaced, and being scattered across the regions of Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and it began to spread then to a little bit of a regional thing. Well, let me go back and explain for a moment. Jesus has come to earth. He's done amazing miracles. He's performed incredible things. Uh, He has all of these followers like most Jewish rabbis do, except Jesus' message is a lot different. It's tremendously different. He's talking about the hope of the world. He's talking about having a personal relationship. He talks about friendship and love, and he takes all the rules that the Jewish people had, and he basically says it's not about that. It's about the fact that we can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through himself. That was his message of hope. And so then he dies on a cross, we see that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was written by a doctor by the name of Luke, and then he went on to write the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, in the first few chapters of Acts, We see the church beginning to form. And the first about seven chapters of Acts takes place over about a four, some scholars believe maybe eight-year period of time. And then we come to the eighth chapter of Acts, and amazing things begin to happen. And what we're looking at today, what we're surveying today, is something that took place over roughly a 14-year period of time. It took place over roughly a 14-year period of time. And it begins with a major event. And the major event is this. There's a man by the name of Stephen. And Stephen was one of the first leaders of the early church, and Stephen finds himself in a situation where he is preaching, he's speaking the message of the gospel. He's he's speaking the message of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden He angers so greatly the Jewish leaders of the day that instead of them going to the Roman government and trying to find some resolution to this man who's speaking a different message, they begin to throw rocks at him and they stone him. And we find in Acts chapter 7 that Stephen is the first man who is a martyr for the gospel take a look at acts chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 1 and then we're going to skip down to 4 and 5 take a look at verse 1 and find out what happens here in acts chapter 8 verse 1 it says this and saul approved of the execution this is a leader by the name of saul in the jewish culture in the jewish uh, culture and he approves of the execution and there arose on that day a great what is that next word Persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. Okay, now here's what's going on here. This man named Stephen is stoned, and all of a sudden Paul comes into Jerusalem, and these people that were followers of Jesus, he begins to persecute them. And in Jerusalem, that's where the church was. It hadn't expanded yet. It was in this one city called Jerusalem in Israel. In this church, in this city called Jerusalem, all of a sudden, the Christians, people like you and me who were there in the first century just a couple years after Jesus left, they are being persecuted just because one man gets stoned. They had already had a few of them arrested, but at this point in time, they are being persecuted. Take a look at verse 4 and 5. I love this because this, listen, church, this is pivotal. And we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and three days later raising, being uh, taken again from the dead and going to be with the Father in heaven, and that was pivotal. It was. It was the most pivotal event in all of human history. A- and then you have the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 that comes down on those Christians, and that was pivotal. But we miss this. Look at this, cha- uh, verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. Now those who were scattered, went about, and what were they doing? They were preaching the word. Now, hang on just a second. Isn't this the same thing that Stephen was stoned for? And they continue to do it. They continue to preach the word. Verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria. That's way outside of Jerusalem, probably a day or more journey uh, down into Samaria. And what what does it say that he did? He proclaimed to them... The Christ this is the beginning this is that first ripple when you drop a, a, a rock or, or a pebble in a in a lake or a pond or a lagoon uh, you begin to get that ripple that was the first ripple it was the very first time that the gospel was taken from one place to another and thus begins this whole idea of the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ It began right there in Acts chapter 8. And it began because a group of people said, I know a man just got killed, but I'm going to be bold enough, I'm going to be bold enough to continue to preach the message that I'm called to preach This is the beginning of the advancement of the gospel, and specifically at this point in time, he went north from Jerusalem into Samaria, into a land that really Jewish people didn't even go to, and he went north. So the gospel begins to advance north, and it begins its expansion out away from Jerusalem. There's, there's a whole other passage that begins shortly thereafter in Acts 8, 25, and 26, and it, it involves a, a guy by the name of Simon, and he was a magician, and he lived in Samaria, and, and, and he, he, he got saved, and uh, on their way back to Jerusalem, these Christians, these uh, people who were followers of Jesus, after he got saved, um, they began to tell other people in Samaria, south of the city of Samaria, north of Jerusalem, they began to tell people in these little villages about Jesus, and those people began to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that ripple. It went out, and it came back in, and they came into Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, you can see that in verses 25 and 26. And then in Acts chapter 8, verses 39 through 40, there was a guy by the name of Philip. And Philip was one of the, the first apostles. He was one of the first uh, people of that first church. And, and, and Philip was, was called out, and he was called to go out. And he began to travel east and south along the coast of the Mediterranean. And he found himself in a position of being pushed out of Jerusalem. And he began to tell the gospel along the coast of the Mediterranean. And people all up and down the coast of the Mediterranean, you can read that in Acts chapter 8, 39 through 40. All of these people in Caesarea and along the coast of the Mediterranean began to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And another ripple went out, this time to the south and further to the west. And so God used a man named Philip who was displaced out of Jerusalem because of the persecution in the church of Jerusalem to go out and to spread the gospel and the, the advancement of the gospel Continued. And then we come to Acts chapter 9. If you're in your Bible, you can look at it there. It's a great story. It's one of the most famous stories in the New Testament. This man named Saul, who was persecuting the church, goes to a city called Damascus. And Damascus was located to the north and to the east of Jerusalem. And he's going to Damascus. Please don't miss this. He's going to Damascus to encourage and to solidify and to approve more killings of Christian, more persecution of Christians. And so he goes up to Damascus, to the north and to the east, and on his way, he has this great, amazing, divine thing that happens. And a lot of you I know know the story, some of you may not. He sees a great light, and he's blinded by that light. And the long story short is, this man named Saul, who was the world's greatest Christian killer at the time, he got saved. And God divinely did something in his life where he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And so he ends up in Damascus, northeast of Jerusalem, and instead of killing Christians, he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ to more and more Christians. And once again, the gospel goes out from there. Another pebble drops in that pond, and another ripple goes out, and it comes back. We see in Acts chapter 10, you can turn there. These verses will be on the screen. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, there's this man named Cornelius, a Roman citizen, who becomes a Christian. And for the very first time, someone who's not a Jew becomes a Christ follower. And so this man named Cornelius, who was already a God follower, he and his household become a Christian. And in in Acts chapter 10, verses uh, 34 and 35, I want you to hear what Peter, who was the one that got to talk to Cornelius, listen to what he says. Peter says this. He opened his mouth, and he said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. He says, But in every nation... Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You see, Peter realized that the first drop that went in that pond, the first drop that went in that lagoon or lake, and that ripple effect started to begin, he realized, please don't miss this, he realized that Jesus' message of love and of grace and of hope wasn't just for a bunch of Jewish people who were followers of this rabbi. Yes, it was for them, but he realizes in this moment, maybe for the first time, that God's message of love and grace and salvation and eternal life was for the whole world. And it was for people who were literally different than him. People who had different cultures than him. And all of a sudden, Peter, who was one of the the, the key leaders of the first church, he began to have this perspective that was so much bigger than who he was. It was so much wider than what he had ever thought. And we see in Acts 10, verses 39 through 45, this is Peter's message to the first Romans, the people who are Gentiles. Verse 39, he says, and we are witnesses of all that Jesus did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to those who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us, look at this, verse 42, he commanded us to preach to all people. And to testify that this one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead, to him, all the prophets, bear witness that everyone, listen to this, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then verse 44 says, while Peter was still saying those words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And believers from the circumcised, those were the Jews who had come with Peter, were amazed. But the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. You see, another ripple effect occurs and so we have the gospel that started in Jerusalem and it first heads out north and then it heads out down to the south and to the west and then it heads up to the northeast into Damascus and then all of a sudden we see this gospel message that is just being spread and the ripple effects begin to reverberate and they begin to spread even more and more and more and we take a look in chapter 11 of acts and we see that in verse 19 that the people of Jerusalem traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus, this little island, and Antioch, which was in a whole different region. And so now this good news, now the gospel is reaching far beyond even the region that they're in. And in verse 12, actually, or in, uh, at the end of chapter 11, for the first time in Antioch, these group of people who call themselves Christ followers for the very first time, they're called Christians. They're called Christians for the very first time. And the gospel just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. And we read in chapter 12 that Herod, this great emperor, begins to persecute the church once again. But God's message was divine and it was holy. And his intent was that it be spread. And look what happens in the last couple of verses of chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. The word of God increased, verses 24 and 25. But the word of God increased and it multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, begin, uh, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now, everything that we just read is kind of the second phase of the church. The first phase of the church is Acts 1 through 7, chapters 1 through 7, when God does amazing thing in their midst there in Jerusalem. But the second phase of the church, I want you to capture this, was almost this divinely appointed uh, move of God to advance the gospel message when Cynthia read that today in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 it said good news. Anytime you read gospel maybe in your translation that literally means good news. It's good. It's good because Jesus completed the law and he offered a message of salvation by grace through And so this good news is advanced in the world as they knew it at that time. But it was advanced. And here's the point I don't want you to miss, Christ follower. This is the the point I don't want you and I as Christians, us here at Hilton Head Island Community Church to miss. It advanced because the people of that day and age who were Christ followers, they leveraged the opportunities and the situations that God put them in to advance the gospel you see when they were persecuted they still spoke the message didn't they when they were scattered and then when they were put in a whole different area they took that opportunity to speak the message of Jesus Christ when when they were pushed outside of Jerusalem they didn't see it as woe is me I cannot believe I live here but they saw it as an opportunity To preach the gospel message. Now, just a few months ago, we went through a whole message series called Share Your Story, or What's Your Story? And we talked about how we can prepare our story of what God is doing in our lives to share it. But I want you to capture this. If we don't make most of every opportunity that we're given by God, even if it's through our suffering, even if, it's through, even if it's through our affliction, even if it's through our shortcomings, if we don't take every opportunity to do that, we are stopping the advance of the gospel message. These people in the first church over a course of about 14 years, at every time they were persecuted, at every time they were scattered, at every time that they were pushed and prodded, they advanced the gospel And it's the bottom line this morning. You see, we think global when we allow God to use the circumstances of our lives to be leveraged to help advance the message of the good news of Jesus. We think global when we allow God to use the circumstances of our lives, regardless of how those circumstances arose, to be leveraged to help advance. Advance the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. You you may be in here today and you wonder why in the world God has moved you from wherever you came from to Hilton Head Island or to the low country. Well, maybe it's for the advancement of the gospel. We've had about 20 families recently here that have been a part of this church, some for a long time, who have moved out because they've gotten jobs elsewhere around the country. And I've encouraged them, as I have had to encourage myself at times, to think of it as an opportunity to advance the gospel. Listen, God may have something else for you right around the corner. God may have a different place for you to live and and for you to uh, find your community. It, It may be here. You may be discouraged that it's here for whatever reason. You may think that your affliction and your suffering on whatever is going on in your life, whatever is happening in your life, is something to be moaned, but perhaps the people that God is putting you in front of need to hear your story. Perhaps they need to hear that message of Jesus Christ. Maybe no one has ever really sat with them and talked with them about it, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to have hope for all of eternity, not just hope here on this earth. And maybe he's going to use you in your workplace or in the people that you connect with here on this island or elsewhere. Or maybe he's going to use an affliction that you're going through when you're at a hospital to tell someone about the message of Jesus Christ. Or students, maybe he's using you in a school that your parents made you move to or that you hate in an area that you cannot stand. Maybe he's going to use you to advance the gospel message. When Cynthia and I went to Morocco back in 2004, we were introduced to a friend. And I'm not going to give you his name because there are times that he's in danger. And he moved to Morocco as a businessman. Didn't really understand why in the world he was there. He wasn't with some kind of missions organization. He wasn't with uh, some kind of, uh, you know, movement. He moved there to be a businessman and he never understood why in the world he was there. And this was about 30 years ago that he moved there. And God has used this man in a remarkable way to advance the gospel in a Muslim country. Listen, you don't know the course of your life. You have no idea. I have no idea what the course of our lives is going to take. And in the midst of the circumstances that you find yourself in, if you're a Christ follower here today, we have a responsibility just like those in the first church did to advance the gospel message that is why we should think global that is why we should put on that lens because we are supposed to be carriers of the message of Jesus Christ I know this is probably a terrible analogy and you can email me I'm fine with it that's okay But the Ebola virus, the CDC has been pulling their hair out for months to try to figure out why in the world it's not contained. Why is it not contained? And they figured it out in recent weeks. Taxi cabs. Taxi cabs. Because when one patient gets Ebola and they have to travel to a hospital or a center, a triage center, what do they take? Taxi cabs. And they're finding out that this virus is being spread all around the continent of Africa because of taxi cabs. Terrible analogy, I realize. But listen, you and I, if we are Christ followers, if we say that we're Christians, just like the first people were called in Antioch that were followers of Jesus Christ, if we truly are that, If we are truly committed to him, then we will be carriers of this message. Regardless of what kind of affliction we have, regardless of what kind of suffering we may face. And I realize in America, in this day and age, we don't face much. But church, that's no guarantee that we won't in the future. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a day and age where you and I face persecution right here in the United States of America. And we need to be ready. We need to be strong. We need to rely on Jesus Christ that we are carriers for him. We are people who can advance the gospel, not because we're strong in our own strength, but because we rely on the power of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Father God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for the history of the first church in kind of this second phase of the book of Acts, where the gospel was beginning to be spread from one place and out into the rest of the world. And God, it didn't happen accidentally. That's not the right word. It happened divinely. But God, those Christians there in Jerusalem and in Damascus and in Syria and Samaria and in Antioch and in all these places... God, they were willing to be used by you. In fact, they were so willing to be used by you that they leveraged every opportunity, every struggle they went through to tell others about you. And God, today I admit that there are times when my passion wanes on being a carrier of the gospel. And God, God, I admit that here on Hilton Head Island that there are sometimes times That I fall into the trap of being concerned more about my comfort than about your kingdom. And God, I pray that you would begin to change that in my heart and in the heart and the mind and the lives of the people who call ourselves followers of you here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. God, may we be challenged to think global. May we be challenged to be people who advance your good news message so that the world may hear. Guide us, give us courage, and give us strength in that mission. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people say, amen. I want to thank you so much for being here today. I just wanted to uh, talk with those of you who are part of the Hilton Head Island Community Church family. Um, I was so encouraged last week that um, you all gave so much to No Hungry Children. But if you look in your worship folder, you will realize that our uh, giving is still way below normal. Um, It's still way below what we had planned, Uh, and I want to encourage you to give and to tithe. It's an act of obedience, but i got to tell you, as someone who went through a period of time who started backing off on that, who over these last seven years has tithed, my wife and I made that decision to do that, every paycheck is the first thing that we do, I want to encourage you to do it because you have no idea the joy that you will experience to see God work in your financial life. So I want to encourage you to give, if you are a part of our church, if you are a part of the Hilton Head Island Community Church family, you can do that on your way out. You can do it now on your app, or you can do it on home by logging in there to the database. And I want to encourage you to do that. Please give to what God is doing. Our staff are making tremendous, tremendous sacrifices, even some pay cuts, uh, so that we can do God's work here on Hilton Head Island. And we think of it as an honor to serve our community. And so I want to encourage you to give to what God is doing and follow in his obedience and commands in that regard. Why don't you stand up? I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for giving. And I hope to see you next Sunday. Have a great week, everyone. we you